And thanks to cancer, I was now trying to find my way without the one person who was my human equivalent of Apple Maps. If, well, if Apple Maps got things right a little more of the time. Hey there, welcome back. So I tried the whole cliffhanger thing again. I feel like I'm getting the hang of it. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself. Diving back in, I've talked about my family as a whole a lot. I've said this to people around me for years. My parents and I were four pieces from different puzzles that fit together perfectly. It's like it was kismet. When I struggled with feeling like I was missing pieces to my own personal puzzle, I always tried to remind myself of that cool fact. I have forever idolized my brother. He had a scooter, so I got a scooter. He wore Adidas sandals, so I wore Adidas sandals. He wore army pants and flip-flops, so I wore army pants and flip-flops. Okay, actually, that last one isn't real. It's a quote from Mean Girls, but the point is he has always been my role model. And things got even better when we stopped arguing over dumb sibling stuff and started becoming real friends. He helped me overcome my fear of the dark, taught me how to play Super Mario Bros, and set the bar low on class participation, but way too high on general intelligence. Now he sends me cookies and emotional support, and I don't know what I would do without either of those things or him. Matthew, if you're listening, two words. Vulture time. He'll know what that means. My dad is my much-needed comedic relief and OG number one supporter. I get my sarcasm, manners, fast walking pace, and constant dad jokes from him. He made me feel better when I scored exactly zero baskets in an entire season of basketball in the third grade. He took the time to understand and empathize with my anxieties throughout the years And he has a special way of being so proud of me for the smallest things that I feel like I'm actually glowing. I can't help but feel better after spending time around him. And my mom. She was pure magic. She was by far the most thoughtful person I've ever known. She genuinely cared about everyone around her. She had this way of perfectly balancing courage and kindness, strength and grace. I mean, how lucky was I to have this human as my mom? In old photos and videos, you can see in my face how much I absolutely adored and idolized her. And that feeling didn't go away as I got older. She was my absolute best friend from the very beginning. My person. So many of my favorite stories are moments with her. It's one of those things where really mundane moments with her and now the memories that just stand out and and warm my heart. I'll share one of those with you now, just as an example. My mom and I had a standing dinner date together every Thursday night for years. It was always my favorite night of the entire week. We'd usually go to Panera and just talk over sandwiches and coffee. Well, well, one of us had coffee, the other one, me, would have something non-caffeinated at dinner time. One week, we decided to switch it up and go to a fancy restaurant instead of Panera. We went, ordered, ate, both of us declined boxes for our half-unfinished meals, 
And as we got to the car, my mom confessed that she actually hated the food. And I agreed. And we drove over to Panera and got a second dinner. I have a million more stories like that one that are just about boring, everyday life type stuff. But those moments are the ones that just stand out to me the most. It's so hard to put into words what she meant to me. Unfortunately, she was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer at age 60. The diagnosis was always about my mom, and I, I never wanted to make it about me, and I still don't. But oh my gosh, it wrecked me. And I mean wrecked. I didn't talk to anyone, including my family. I holed up in my apartment and stayed there for weeks outside of going to a horrible job that I absolutely hated. Of course, cutting myself off from my family when they needed me most came with some pushback. And I get it. My family needed me and I basically ghosted them. It wasn't fair and it's something I I definitely still grapple with. I felt like I was the perfect daughter until the very moment when it mattered. I knew at some point I had to be brave. Remember in the last episode when I told you about the giant swing at a ropes course, the one where I had to pull the cord myself? It was time for me to pull the cord and show up for the people that had always, always shown up for me. And it was hard. I was lost. I looked back at the past like it was sparkly and perfect and longed for life BC, before cancer. Meanwhile, I dreaded the cold, terrifying, imminent future and hated the roller coaster present. And honestly, I've never really loved roller coasters. We'd get great news, then terrible news, then promising but not stellar news, then more terrible news, and so on. I cannot stress how horrible cancer is, and I wish we could just universally beat the damn thing already, but obviously we can all agree on that. That whole year, I felt like the human embodiment of sad, like sadness in the movie Inside Out. I had one emotion, and it was just so quickly becoming my whole identity. On the plus side, some days I had a little more emotional depth where I felt a little more like Squidward in that I was also irritable, antisocial, and probably just had a lot of people wondering, who hurt you? I was super fun to be around, but hey, at least I had some range. So to sum up, I was losing my mom, losing myself, and was just an all-around general mess. Looking back on episode two issues, I'd think, cute. About a year after her diagnosis, in January 2020, my mom passed away. It felt kind of like jumping on the couch when you're a kid. Your parents told you that you'd fall. You knew it was coming. But that didn't make it hurt any less when you ended up falling. It's common to hear she lost her battle. But I really don't look at it like that. Honestly, this was a losing battle from the very beginning, but that didn't stop her from trying, from living. My mom fought so hard until her very last day. Cancer took a lot from her, including in the end her life, but at no point did it take who she was or that special light that she brought to this world. She lived and loved and made the most of what she was given. Quite frankly, cancer messed with the wrong woman. And at the end of the day, I can't bring myself to call any of this a loss, at least not to that little loser cancer. Cancer is not strong. 
It's weak. It hides silently, only showing itself when it has a known advantage. Cancer is like that teddy bear villain in Toy Story 3 in that I didn't see it coming and also hated and wanted gone immediately. But that's obviously an understatement, and Cancer is a lot less cute than a teddy bear. Another, you know, not great metaphor for you. Basically, Cancer sucks, and that's about it. And thanks to cancer, I was now trying to find my way without the one person who is my human equivalent of Apple Maps. If, well, if Apple Maps got things right a little more of the time. At four weeks old, I was a girl without a family, without a mom. Gaining my mom, a literal stranger at the time, was one of the absolute best things to ever happen to me. It changed who I am. It changed the course of my life. Losing her changed me too. What's interesting is that very few people in my world knew about my mom's diagnosis, even people I was close to. I had spent a lifetime trying to be positive, happy, and likable. For me, sharing negative or sad emotions or even feeling them felt totally off. It's like when you take a sip of lemonade expecting it to be water and it's just super sour and wrong. I didn't want to be that lemonade. I didn't want people to expect the kind, bubbly, fun version of me and get the sad, energy-sucking version instead. I think hard things like this make us all uncomfortable, so it's easy to retract and avoid. I didn't want to give anyone in my life a reason to pull away from me, so I kept a lot of it to myself, telling everyone, no, actually, I'm doing okay. I don't think this emotional moat I built around myself helped anyone, in hindsight. Keeping everyone at arm's length didn't cause anyone to leave, but it also didn't allow them to really support me in the ways I probably needed. So here's a little pro tip to you from me. Let people in. It's interesting. Grief is a universal emotion. We all grieve, whether it's for a loved one, a friend, a pet, even a job loss, a breakup, so many other things. But for whatever reason, grief is one of the most isolating feelings. It's complicated, and none of us like complicated. Isn't that the reason we decline the recommendation of two-factor authentication? A little anecdote for you here. My mom and I loved to take girls' trips. We'd go to Door County, Wisconsin every summer, Florida every spring, and sometimes to California in between to visit my brother. I remember one trip we took to Florida over my spring break. Our precious Wisconsin winter skin hadn't seen UV rays for months. We sunscreened up. We got comfy on the beach. We had plans to head out to lunch and go shopping. But then my mom fell asleep and I got caught in a book. And five hours later, we realized we missed lunch and reapplying sunscreen. My mom and I were burnt to absolute crisps. This was hands down the worst sunburn of my life, and it happened on our very first day of the trip. So we spent the rest of the trip in the shade covered up by clothing and mass amounts of aloe. Grief for me felt like that sunburn. At first, it was horrible, and I couldn't ignore the discomfort or pain. No amount of aloe would or could soothe it. But then over time, the pain did fade. Of course, sunburns go away eventually, grief doesn't fully, so it's not a perfect metaphor, but again, those aren't my forte anyway. 
I've also heard grief described like a pinball machine. All the different obstacles in a pinball machine are like grief triggers. Maybe they're dates or places or memories. At first, the actual pinball is huge, and it hits those triggers constantly, practically 24-7. But as time goes on, the ball does get smaller. The triggers are still there, but you start to hit them less and less. At this point, this is basically me rambling about how grief is weird and unfun and hard and just difficult. Let's just all try to offer each other some aloe or a quarter for the pinball machine or whatever is resonating with you. Maybe you're like, Dean, none of the above. Please move on. I hear ya. Let's move on. So at this point, we're in 2020. I was trying to find my new normal without my mom. I had put so much effort and energy into her over that last year. I was always thinking about her, worrying about her, checking on her, texting her, watching movies at home with her. Suddenly, that was all gone. The relief people talk about was definitely there, along with the accompanying guilt for good measure, but so was this vast amount of free time when I most wanted to feel busy. And just when I got into an okay day-to-day routine, March 2020 hit, and I was furloughed and stuck inside in a never-ending COVID lockdown. It left a lot of time to think and reflect. I went back to thoughts of my birth family because curiosity breeds on boredom. I also had some tough thoughts, like what if I was never placed for adoption? Maybe I wouldn't have felt that deep, visceral hurt of losing my mom. Maybe my heart wouldn't be shattered into a million pieces. My heart would be different, but maybe it would be whole. But here's the thing. If that were true, I wouldn't have known my mom or anyone else in my life. The thought of that is more terrifying than the giant slides at the local park I told you about. Even knowing how it all ended, I'd rather know my mom, know my dad and brother, know everyone that I love in my life. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is that you can't bubble wrap your heart. It's meant to be used and loved, worn out, broken, exhausted, filled, so much more. As one of the greatest poets of our time, Ed Sheeran, once said, a heart that's broken is a heart that's been loved. I tried every day to make lemonade. I tried to be kinder, more thoughtful, more mindful of every life choice I made. I focused on making deeper connections with those in my life. I didn't let the small things get to me. I donated to cancer research, chopped my hair to donate to an organization that provides free wigs for those going through cancer-related hair loss. I became a mentor to a local teen. I tried to be a person my mom would be proud of, the person she knew I was capable of becoming. I felt like in that last year I let her down, and I just wanted to show her, I know I'm capable of who you think I can be. Losing my mom made me a better person, and I just wished she could have been around to see it. I wished my personal growth didn't have to come at her expense. I do think she sees it, though. There have been little moments where I have felt her presence just at my core. On my wedding day, as I stood with my dad ready to walk down the aisle, if I closed my eyes, I would have sworn my mom was on my other side. Her presence was so profound and visceral. 
During our engagement, my now husband, Alex, and I lost two very important women to us to cancer. My mom, of course, and Alex's grandma, who was beautiful and just wonderful beyond words. On our wedding day, Alex and I walked outside late in the day to see two rainbows right above us. One other moment, it was only a few weeks after losing my mom and I was just feeling completely overwhelmed with grief and guilt and just feeling generally lost. One night I had a dream and although it was February, in my dream it was just this beautiful day out. I was walking towards someone seated outside at a restaurant my mom and I would frequent in the summer. It was my mom. The last time I had seen her, she looked so different from herself. Cancer had just done a number on her. Here in front of me, she was that mom that I had known for years. I hugged her so tight, not wanting to let go, which I told her. She told me not to worry. She'd always be right there. Always there for me, just like before. That moment was a turning point for me. The realization that I truly believed my mom continued to be there for me is still there for me now. I looked at my grief a little differently after that. I began focusing on moving forward through it instead of around it. I reflected on how I could start living again. This wasn't the only thing I mulled over during 2020. I thought again about contacting my birth parents. Yes, that's right. We're back here again. But I was, again, cautious, which you should know now is super on brand for me. If I reached out to my birth mom, did that mean I no longer needed my mom or loved her as much as I claimed to? Or was this some weird mom rebound type thing? How would I even reach out to my birth parents? Would I be picking up the shattered pieces of my heart from the wood chipper trying to shove the tattered pieces together and offer it up to them like a crazy person? Obviously, I was a complete mess and in no place to make any big decisions. So I got married instead. And as you know, I'm not joking. I literally did get married. 2020 was freaking weird, and you can quote me on that. It was basically one full year of just endless shower thoughts. Thanks to therapy, journaling, and good old-fashioned boredom, I started to make some new discoveries about myself and what was fueling my carefully created facade. Actually, that sounds like I'm the Tinder swindler or something, and I promise there's no con artistry here. This is where we get back to some of my baggage. Like I said, a little too big to fit in the overhead compartment, but it's okay. It's cute at least, right? See you next time.